You are listening to Myth Behaving, a podcast with a little bit of attitude on the literary world. Won't you come Myth Behave with us? Hello and welcome to Myth Behaving. This is episode number 18 of our show and we are recording on September 29th. 2013. I'm just going to start putting that date in there because it's it's getting close to another year. I'm Mayor Wilson. I'm joined by my co-host and co-producer Carla Clifton. Hey, hey, Carla, how are you today? I am doing so well. I am so relaxed. I just got back from two weeks vacation, and I actually went to see you. I know you did. I was there. Uh-huh. No, it was so <laughs> much fun. But they don't know that. <laughs> You are so funny. Anyway. I, I, I am punchy today. I'm telling you. I'm she punchy. is. She is. Y'all should have heard her before the show. Makes you want to just take a little poker and just poke her in the butt. You know? Anyway. No. Anyway. Hello, listeners. Each myth-behaving show features a special guest from the literary world. It could be a writer, a publisher, an agent, an editor, or anyone else connected with the world of publishing. And we have several special segments related to reading or writing. Shh. Be very quiet when writing books in the library of a myth behavior. And that means it's time for something from the library of a myth behavior. Today I am recommending A Tailor Made Life by Carrie Rader. This is a really cool novel. It's very different from my normal reads. As as you guys know, I read a lot of sci-fi and and thrillers and fantasy. But but this is uh, more literary and romance, which is a little bit of a departure for me. And the, the subject matter is dealing with something, some pretty serious subjects. We've got a, a high school cheerleader who is diagnosed with cancer and not given a whole lot of time to live. She's not got cancer that's going to be cured. And uh, she decides that she doesn't want to die a virgin, and she enlists her mother's help to help her, you know, find a proper candidate to help her with that. But this, that, that really just doesn't do it justice because there are so many deep, themes in this book. Uh, Definitely a tearjerker this one is, but so very different from my normal read, and I really, really enjoyed this book. Well, and that must mean that our special guest today is Carrie Rader. Welcome to the show, Carrie, and thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me, Carla, and thank you for having me, Mayor. It's so good to be here. We are so thrilled to have you chat with us today. I've had a chance to get to know you through our publisher crescent moon press we've gotten to be friends over the last months so it's it's a double treat for me to have you on today uh, let's just jump right into it uh, i i want to mention that you are also the author of queen of jastain and that's urban fantasy but some heavy romance in that as well and you have two books out right now plus a romance anthology right carrie that's right Okay, yes, I have a the, short. I have a short story included in an anthology. Awesome, awesome. So it's not an anthology of all your stuff. It's one short story in the anthology. That's correct. Okay, good. Now I want to go back to Tailor Made Life for a moment. Would you share with our listeners the story behind that book? <laughs> yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to. Um, 
five years ago, my husband um, had a growth on his back and he went to the doctor and the doctor said oh it's nothing it's a mole and he gave him a technical name for it so he just left it alone and for six months the thing grew and grew and grew and finally he went back to the doctor and the doctor said huh well I've never seen one grow like that so but um, you need to probably go and have it taken off but it's so big now I can't take it off you need to go to the dermatologist so he went to the dermatologist and um, the dermatologist said oh yeah that's nothing he gave him the technical name of the mole again removed it and within 30 minutes we're calling after he left or within 30 minutes we're calling him back in because they had done a quick biopsy of it and it was melanoma cancer and I think at that time I was five months pregnant with my third child and um, I was a stay-at-home mom we um, had to go through treatments for him he of course had to go through surgery and have the thing removed because it had metastasized at that point and um, there were just so many emotions I, I I was dealing with so many different things him and what he was going through having to have someone take care of the kids and um, they were not in school at that time they were all preschoolers and then me just being pregnant so there there was this all this emotion that was wrapped up and and I'm thinking to myself um, he might not make it I'm a stay-at-home mom, and now I have I have two kids, and I have one on the way. What am I going to do? So there was all this stress and pressure that that came on that I, I never even imagined with cancer. Because the one thing that I I found interesting when dealing with the cancer was that everything else in your life takes a backseat. There, it 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 all nothing else is important. Everything becomes about the cancer, about getting rid of it, fighting it, taking treatments for it, figuring out how to revolve your life around it. And and so your time is sucked up. And at night is when you finally get to rest and all the, the stress and the pressure comes on you. Well, when he was finally um, rid of the cancer, um, I, was a, I was almost due. He took his last treatment his last cancer treatment, and two weeks later I had the baby. It was like once he was um, diagnosed as cancer-free, all that stress level left, and you go back to living your life. I had a baby on the way. I had so many other things to do. So um, I'm sorry if I'm taking up too much time, but um, this is so important to me. Um, When my friend... Um, her daughter was diagnosed with cancer about two years ago. When that happened, all those feelings of insecurity and helplessness and fear and um, everything came bombarding back on me. And I wasn't able to sleep. And I started writing this story. And um, when... The story was finished. I really felt like I had gone through a healing process. And I knew that once I published the story that other people would experience that as well. I I love that story, Carrie. And I I appreciate you sharing that. Um, My mom died of cancer. So I know exactly what you're talking about, how it takes over literally everything. And it's, it's just, it's exhausting, 
So I can imagine how cathartic this book was for you um, with what you went through, but I can't imagine you going through that with little kids and everything else. That had to be so hard. It, it was a challenge. It was a challenge of my life thus far. Of truth and mythery. Of Truth and Mythery is a segment where we take a commonly held publishing or writing belief and examine whether it's true or just another myth. Carrie, please feel free to answer this. Writers need to wait for inspiration. That is a good question, and I'm going to answer it um, in a way that's going to make you you laugh. Um, yes and no. But I will explain. <laughs> I know. Yeah. But I'll explain. Um, yes, writers do need to wait for inspiration. Um, but I think just inherent in being a writer, we have so many stories that we want to tell, that, that we want to share with the world. I know I have more stories than I could ever write in multiple lifetimes. So <laughs> I, I know there's no way that I can get to them all. But I know what I have to do is I have to wait for the right story to come around. And I have to wait for the right telling of it. Um, a current story that I'm working on right now started out two years ago as an inspiration to a Carrie Underwood song. And it was a short story at that time. And I had thought about writing it, but just didn't feel quite right. And over the next two years, it kind of morphed into now what I believe will be... Um, probably a, a signature series for me and the first story I'm a little over halfway finished with but it's completely plotted um, is much stronger and better than what it originally was so in answer to your question yes writers do need to wait for the correct inspiration for the inspiration that they're meant to share because so many things bombard us I hope that answers your it question. It does. That makes such that, perfect sense. Yeah, it does. It does make. I like the way you put that um, because it does have to be the right story. It has to be the right time and the right story, which makes sense. But um, at the same time, we're supposed to be writing every day, so we're we're we've got all those, like you said, numerous numerous stories that bombard us and ideas that bombard us and you know so many of them never make it to paper or never get finished so um getting getting them done is is very cool when it happens absolutely you know i always find it fascinating as to why writers pick the genres they they do to write in um you've got fantasy and paranormal and romance and and then this is like like uh tailor made life is really a literary romance it's really in the literary genre at least it read that way to me uh why do you choose to write in the genres you choose to write in well when i started writing um what i was reading mostly was fantasy and i've always loved fantasy so that's where i began and i i still love writing in fantasy because it's a blank slate so you can create from the dust up and make it whatever you want and um, you don't have to go and check facts it can be anything and 
Um, that is a reason why I will never write a historical because I'm pretty lazy and I don't tend to check my facts very well. So fantasy <laughs> works good for me. Now, I also like to write contemporary because that's what I know. So I don't necessarily need to check facts for things that I know. Um, although there are small little nuances within the stories that need to be verified. But um, writing contemporary also is a way, I think, contemporary can can touch people more people i think more people relate to contemporary than to fantasy it, it takes a special artsy kind of person i think to like fantasy but contemporary um is reaches more of the masses at least that's my sense of it yeah but, and you're talking about epic fantasy correct as opposed to urban fantasy like what i do because right, i have exactly. to check a lot of facts i got news for you <laughs> i do a lot of <laughs> well, research <laughs> right no my mine is epic fantasy definitely yeah um but you know really what i love to do is to blend the genres i um I love writing a story and going, hmm, where will this fit? It doesn't necessarily fit in one or the other, or it can fit into multiples, kind of like watercolors on a page where they just blend together. And then you, you find that you get something um, even more exciting and more fresh and new. And you did that in Queen of Jastain. It, I thought it was going to be urban fantasy, and it ended. It really wasn't. It was epic fantasy with a touch of urban fantasy in it, which was cool. Thank you. Well, that's how it read to me anyway. Yeah, it's got that contemporary feel in the beginning and then towards the middle, but then it's definitely epic for the most part. Yeah. It's time for MythPrint, tips and tricks of the industry. Well, it's time for another one of our special segments. MythPrint includes a basic tip concerning writing, marketing, or anything else to do with the industry. Carrie, do you have any tips about writing romance that you can share with our listeners? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure I could um, I can share a few things. I think the most important thing is if you're a new writer to find a critique group, a support group, someone who is going to be your cheerleader but also your critic. Um, you definitely need both. You you need a balance of all things. You know, we know the Hillary Clinton book, It Takes a Village to Raise a Child. It takes a critique group to write a book. It just does. You can't see it all with your own eyes. And it's much easier to learn when you see your own work through someone else's eyes. I always find that fascinating where my critique partners will pick up little nuances that I never saw. And I have critique partners for different aspects of the story. I have one who is a, a grammar Nazi. I have one who is really good with emotions. And then I have one who's very good with um, turning points and um, plot structure and understanding how that works with characterization. So I have a... It's it's like my little arsenal of critique partners who help me. And when they read something, I expect their expertise. And that helps my story to become what it's meant to be. Now, are these, these you're using critique partners pretty much as I would use beta readers, but yours are actually other authors, correct? That is correct. 
so that you in turn offer something to them for their work. So they're different from, I wanted to stress that because I don't know if we've talked about critique partners per se on the show before. I want to make sure we, we set up why a critique partner is different from a beta reader. And I would recommend both. I have beta readers also, but uh, a critique partner is someone who's going to take your work chapter by chapter and go over it with you, and you need that. A beta reader is someone who's going to take the whole body of work at the end and give you suggestions for it, Um, and they're both very important. So you definitely need both, in my opinion. Yeah, I've got some beta readers that are are really at editing level, which is nice. That is good. Yeah, I, 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 I really lucked out on that. <laughs> Writing is such a process of so many things. I know you know this. What do you love most about what you do? Oh, my, my stories. My characters. I mean, just like Stephen King says in his book on writing, I'm not only the writer, I'm the first reader. So, yeah, if the stories don't touch me, who are they going to touch? So, you know, when I say I write for myself, that's that's pretty true. There are times when I add things into stories that I know are fairly indulgent, but that's how I wanted them. <laughs> I agree. I agree 100 million percent. Well, Carrie, after writing two books, I'm guessing you probably have your writing routines established. Is there anything about the process that you don't like? Yeah. <laughs> the, the the one thing that I've recently found out, and that's just because of publication, is that I don't like letting go. Because, like I said before, I'll read the stories as I'm revising them, but to me, it's a fluid work. So anything I read can be changed Anything I, I read can be revised, but once it's published, it's like I'm sending the story out into the hands of readers and, and their hearts and hope that they take care of these people that I love. Oh, that's so sweet. I, but it's so true. I can see where if I would do something like that, you know, like be a writer, and I would never be a writer. I mean, because it's just <laughs> not in me. I don't think I have a book in me. Um, but... I get so attached to stuff, and so I can only imagine that if I actually created this environment, I would just not want to let it go. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to let it go, and and not for the sense because I, you know, I want to share it, but, and I think this has just recently come to light. Once you share it in a public forum, you can't just go back in and start changing it again. It wow. just is what it is, so... The, the urge to tweak. Yes. That's, that's what uh, I, I would probably never submit if, if I just didn't make myself let go and not tweak anymore. Because I can go back. I could tweak forever. <laughs> I'm always going to see something that could be better. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, that's another reason why I can't read it. It's I'll see something. I'm like, oh, how could I have included that? <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm right with you. I'm right with you. 
Well, authors work in so many different ways. Are you a planner outlining everything and making extensive notes? Or are you a pantser flying by the seat of your pants and letting the book go wherever it will? Oh, here's another one of these dual questions. Um, Yes, I'm both. I'm actually kind of a hybrid, I think. Um, Generally, the, the story will come to me fairly formed at least um, the major turning points and the structure of the story. Um, The characters' personalities and their reactions to what happened aren't necessarily planned. And so that's always fun to see what they're going to do and say, getting to where I need them to go. Um, But yeah, usually what I do is I will write the first chapter in the story and then I will jump ahead in the story and write a pivotal scene, usually with high emotion. Sometimes it's the climax, sometimes it's the end, or sometimes it's just a character's turning point. And then I'll go back to the end of the first chapter and write to that point. So it's like I have um, a, a buoy out in the water that I'm swimming to. That's how I envision it. And then when I get to that buoy, then I throw another one out and then I go swim to that. So that seems to work for me. (laughs) It's interesting, the story that I have now is about halfway written, but I have the final chapter written. What an interesting perspective on how you do things. That is is really cool. That's very different, too. Yeah, I I don't know that that would work for everybody, but it definitely works for me. Yeah, well, it does because your books are good, so we know it works. Thank you, Mayor. You're welcome. Do you mind sharing a little bit about your next project with us? I know you're working on some things. Yes, I am. am, And I talked about it a little bit earlier. The story I'm working on now is called Broken. It's, um, It's a new adult, contemporary, and, um, It's set in a small rural town in Tennessee. Just recently went to Tennessee on my vacation, and it's a beautiful state. I I actually fell in love with Tennessee um, right there in the Smoky Mountains. And um, the, the story revolves around. A girl, she's uh, an 18-year-old high school senior. She's had her same boyfriend for three years, and he has gone off to war. He's given her an engagement ring. Before he leaves, he gives her the engagement ring, and he wants to have sex with her. But they had promised not to have sex until they were married. But he's kind of afraid that something might happen to him overseas, and she, um, she... takes, of course, the engagement ring, but she um, refuses to have sex with him, saying that they needed to wait until they were married. And unfortunately, he does die in Afghanistan. And so she spirals down into this, um, to this guilt and grief that she denied him something that he'll never experience and that now he'll never be to her what she wanted him to be. And so she's she's left feeling pretty lost um her father is the local pastor at the church so she was raised in the church and at this point she's um 
her her faith is a little shaken so she's angry with god and she's not sure why this has happened to her because she feels like she's done everything right and she kept the promise that she made and god has failed her and basically not lived up to his end of the bargain and and certainly her fiance who died um even though she knows it's not his fault she still feels like he didn't live up to um the end of his bargain but she um she spirals down into a depression and she she's in her last semester of her senior year of high school so she's failing all of her classes she's skipping out on church she's not talking to her friends and um, right before graduation it's uh, the one year anniversary of when she receives her engagement ring so she goes back to the place where she received it she has a come to jesus meeting she yells at god and finally feels like she gets all the venom out of her she falls asleep there at the place and during the dream she dreams that her fiance comes back to her they make love she wakes up and she feels like she can go on with her life six weeks later she finds out she's pregnant and She believes that it's a miracle, but she doesn't want to tell anyone. So she tells her best friend, who is also her dead fiance's sister. And the dead fiance's sister thinks she has gone crazy. So they do a family intervention. And um, they're about to send her away to be evaluated, mentally evaluated, when um, one of her dead fiance's old army buddy shows up and he's been trying to get her to go out with him for a little while. He's back into town and instead of getting sent to the funny farm, she says, Oh, okay. I was just lying. It's really him. (laughs) And so he's kind of in love with her. So he agrees to go along with it. Um, But anyway, the, that's the gist of the story in, in the end, there's some doubt that's shed on, who actually fathered the child and it it seems like maybe um something bad actually happened instead of something good but she has to come to terms with everything that happened and then decide regardless of who the baby's father or who fathered the child who is the baby's father now and that had become the man who came back into her life and kind of saved her so that that's the gist of the new story broken. Wow. So many, so many deep themes in your work, Carrie. Oh, thanks, Mayor. Uh, I hope so. It, to, to me, it doesn't, it's not really worth telling unless it goes a little bit deeper. It's got lots of twists and turns, lots. Well, we've seen some changes in the publishing industry just in the last couple of years. Do you feel the changes have impacted your own work? And if so, in what ways? And how do you feel about those changes? I love the changes that have happened in the the publishing world. I I love the fact that self-publishing has come about and that anyone who has a story to tell has a platform in which to tell it. Um, I think that there's room for everybody at the table. And it kind of makes me sad to think for all these years that um, traditional publishing has suppressed some really good stories that should have been out there. But because of the 
you know, they, they have to make money, so they can't just publish everything. Um, because of that, there have been some good stories that have gone by the wayside, but now that's not the case. Anyone who has a story can tell it and get it in the hands of an audience who needs to hear it. The myth number is... And now it's time for myth number, our word for the day, and in honor of Carrie, our, our phrase today is romance. You know, readers and film goers just really seem to be having a love affair with love. Why do you think romance remains one of the most popular genres, Carrie? <laughs> romance is the greatest. It is. There's There's no question. Um, romance is the top-selling book genre and has always been that way. Um, it eclipses the the next three. Even if you add them together, it's still more. Uh, it, it's because love never goes out of style, it, it, and it's addictive. <laughs> who doesn't want love? Uh, especially, I think for women, which who are the primary readers of romance, um, there's something in seeing other people find love that just makes you feel good. I mean, it's like eating chocolate, or <laughs> oh, I guess what guys would say, having sex, or doing something that you love to do. I mean, it, it, it gives you that good, warm feeling and makes you happy. I agree. So I like much. that answer. Yeah, me too. Well, if you could have a dinner party with any seven people living, living, dead, or fictional, who would you include and why? <laughs> Only seven? Only oh. seven. Oh my gosh! I, I well, first I would get someone who had money, and we'd hire a, a bigger place. I think, but um, I, I, <laughs> I, it's like I want more people. I, I told you earlier, I'm social. That's really true. I love lots of people, lots of fun people. I think that um, living definitely, I would want probably Bill Gates. I would want Robin Williams. To add some life to the party. I think he would be fun to talk to. Um, I definitely have two or three people from the Bible. Um, I think that definitely someone like Mother Teresa, Joan of Arc, those ladies who made a difference in their world, even being women when women were oppressed, um, would have some good things to say. So I'd like to include them. And then, of course, I would be remiss if I didn't include my all-time favorite romance hero, which is Jamie Fraser from Outlander. If you haven't read it, oh my gosh, you have to read him. He is the best. <laughs> and if you have stars, you can um, watch his series. They're, they're making a movie out of this, the books. But yeah, he is what I would consider literary perfection. What an eclectic group. <laughs> I no, it sounds like so much fun. I'm such a big fan of Robin Williams anyway. And Me then too. Mother Teresa. And Joan of Arc. I mean, can you imagine it, you know, cuz what was she 16? Yeah, not yeah. not very old. Yeah. I mean, gosh, what a group. That is a great group. <laughs> Carrie, what question do you never get asked that you wish someone would ask you? And then what would you answer? 
<laughs> this was a tricky one. I had to really think about this one for a while. You know, um, I think it would be interesting to wonder what my characters thought of me. If they met me in real life, what would my characters, would they like me? Would they not like me? I think probably it would depend on what point of the story they were in. <laughs> as to whether or not they liked you or yeah, not. Yeah. As to whether or not they liked me or not. Um, but I think, I think that they would. I think that um, there, there are many of them that I think I could be friends with them. Um, there's a couple of them that I would stay away from. <laughs> yeah, of course. Well, I love that answer, though. That That is a great question. <laughs> it is indeed. Well, everyone has their own personal myths, things a lot of people think about us that may or may not be true, their own personal myth behaviors. What myth behavior do people believe about you that is absolutely not true? Oh, my goodness. I don't know. Most of what people say about me is true. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, I'm I'm not really quiet or shy, so I don't think anyone thinks that. Um, And I'm I'm pretty much what I am. I I I, I don't know. I don't know that there there are too many things. I, I would hate to think that somebody thought something wrong about me. Even if it was maybe something good. So I guess I'd, I'll say I can't think of anything that mm-hmm. is not true that people, because I'm so open, it, it's hard to believe they wouldn't know who I am. Fair enough. Okay. Then what misbehavior do people believe about you that is true? Oh, that's the big one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You've got so many. Pick yes. one. <laughs> that, that is, um, that's a definite one. Yeah, I think... Um, pe- people think I'm probably strong-willed, opinionated. Um, I Fun. Think, well, maybe, I hope. <laughs> Absolutely. And those are true, yes. Well, that's our show. Carrie, thank you so much for being our guest. We appreciate all the information you've shared with us today. Thank you for having me, Carla. Uh, it was a blessing. We appreciate you taking the time. We appreciate you giving us such a fascinating look at behind the scenes and and your thinking. And I appreciate that. I I always enjoy other authors and and how they come to get those books of theirs out there. But but yours was really especially fascinating for me today. So thank you for that. Thank you, Mayor. Love having, love being here with you guys. Well, remember everyone, you can go to the MythBehaving.com website for more information on Carrie Rader and links to her books. You can also read her bio and find links to her social media. Don't forget that you can download this episode on iTunes or listen right on the MythBehaving.com website. Please take a moment to leave us a positive review on iTunes. That's how we get recognized on iTunes so that more people can find out who we are. And you can subscribe to us on iTunes, too, so don't forget to do that. And thank you for tuning in to Myth Behaving. We'll see you again next time. I'm Carla. 
And I'm Mare, and we are Misbehaving, where reality meets fantasy. See you soon. <laughs> 